You know, I was, uh, your pastor, Pastor Robbie, made contact with me several weeks ago, and uh, he asked me to actually speak on a very specific message that he heard I gave, uh, I think, about a year and a half or so at a church in Michigan. I actually started on our campus at the Bible Institute. And uh, it really has to do with, uh, we know Philippians chapter 1 is our focus tonight, and uh, just a few verses there. But it has to do with this whole idea that things happen to us. And uh, many times we don't understand. I, can, I was just, th- just sitting here thinking about the last 48 hours. I just flew in from Jacksonville, Florida. Got in this morning after a long delay. You know, those things always seem to happen. Uh, Two o'clock this morning, here I am. Driving home last night in my car. One of, I wasn't doing anything, just minding my own business. Wasn't drinking, wasn't eating anything, or you know, no Coca-Cola in my hand. And one of my, tooth, my, one of my teeth cracked on the way home. So I'm like, you know, where do I go from here? These things always happen to me. You know, what, what's going on, Lord? Um, maybe, maybe you can identify with uh, Murphy's Law. And, uh, you know, anyone know what the Murphy's Law, the typical one is there? You know what that is? Any, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's kind of how I felt early this morning when I got home. Like, man, everything has kind of gone wrong today. Matter of fact, I didn't tell you, on one of my flights I took two days ago, we actually lost power in the engines for a few moments. And the, pain, the plane began to plummet. like, Lord, everything's going to come before my eyes. What's going on? You're trying to get my attention or something. And I tell you, I appreciate life today. I, I have to tell you that much. But Murphy's Laws, there's some modern ones that I think we could consider. If it jams, force it, right? If it breaks, it needed to be replaced anyway. Of course, you have Curtis Lumber across the street, basically. So you will always find something in the very last place that you look. I love that one. Happens to me all the time. The other line always seems to move faster, right? You ever have that experience? I know it happens about every day. Uh, Nothing is as easy as it looks. And here's here's my favorite. The chance of bread falling with the buttered side down is directly proportional to the cost of the carpet. (laughs) I love that one. Now, I don't know the details of your life, but I do know you can relate to some of these statements. And the reality is, is that things happen to all of us. The truth is there are things that happen in our lives that simply don't turn out the way that we think they should. And really, if we're not careful, I think we can become somewhat pessimistic. We can become kind of glass, half-full kind of people, very negative sometimes. They'd be very, very careful. And the Apostle Paul, he makes an amazing statement in this uh, chapter 1 of Philippians as he's writing this book, as the Holy Spirit guided him, And I want us to focus in beginning on verse 12. You recall that Paul was actually under house arrest in Rome. Okay, and we'll explain more what that means in just a moment. But he anticipated arriving in Rome as a preacher of the gospel. Yet, how does he arrive? He arrives as a prisoner of the gospel. Not exactly what he thought was going to happen. It didn't unfold the way he he had expected. And I want you to listen to Philippians chapter 1, the first part of this verse. Maybe you haven't really thought about this very much, but let's, let's hone in on, on this verse that your pastor wanted me to cover because he, he was explaining some of the things your church has gone through, what he has gone through, and he thought this would be a great encouragement to all of us here tonight. Verse 12, Paul writes, But I want you to know, brethren, brothers and sisters, that the things which happened to me... Stop there for a moment. The things that happened to me... The things that happen to us. 
you know what Paul is doing, I believe? I believe right off the bat in this verse, he's acknowledging that things do really happen to us. And we all can relate to that. You can relate to probably everything I just said tonight as I shared my last 48 hours. We're all there. That's real life. And Paul's acknowledging that things happen. They happen to all of us. You know, if you leave a phrase like that by itself, it could be kind of negative. You know, let's say it this way. You know, brethren... You know the things that happen to me. It's a whole different way of saying it, right? Kind of negative. And, you know, if you ever think you're having a bad day, I encourage you to reflect, go through the book of Acts, and look at Paul's life up until this point. You remember that he was forced to appear before uh, Felix and Agrippa. He had to defend himself. And then what happens? He finds himself as a prisoner on a ship headed to Rome, only to find himself shipwrecked along the way. Remember that? And then they end up on an island, an island of Malta. What happened there? He was bitten by a poisonous snake as they lit a fire. I mean, what else can happen? And then, and then he ends up in Rome, and he finds himself under house arrest, and he's chained to a, to a soldier day after day. But, you know, frankly, Paul had a lot to complain about, didn't he? I mean, talk about crummy days and things happening to him. Yeah, you don't find any hint in this book of a pity party you find no hint of selfishness. Paul is saying, hey, brothers, things happen to me. Pick up the rest of verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is saying, hey, what looks so rough, what looks so bleak, what looks so difficult, what really looked so impossible the opposition, the chains that, I, that were on me, these chains are actually channels for God to accomplish His plan and His purpose. Now, to be very honest with you, as I read this text and I was studying for tonight, again, I read that verse and you read through the book of Philippians. Anyone know what a major theme in the book of Philippians is? It's a three-letter word. Joy. And it, I, you know, I read this verse and I'm like, how in the world... Could Paul have so much joy? I mean, he's under house arrest, and yet here he is, full of joy, so positive. It's an amazing thing. Where does that kind of joy come from? Where do we find joy as we face things in our lives? Well, I think that joy really comes when we understand what God is trying to do in our life, when we really understand what adversity and these things that happen to us, what they should be doing in our lives. And I want to highlight just three things tonight, very briefly, as we uh, open the Word tonight and, and consider these verses here in this chapter. Three results of the things that happen to us. Three results, of, if you will, of adversity. Number one, it's very simple. If you're taking notes, it'd be great to write these down just to reflect on later on. Number one, adversity should open your eyes to the reality that God is at work. Now, let's be completely transparent tonight. You know, things happen to us. We all face adversity at times. And our natural tendency is to think exactly opposite of this statement, right? We go through these things, we begin, begin to ask questions like, God, why me? I mean, God, are you even out there? Do you understand what's happening in my life? Do you really know what's going on? Remember that familiar verse, Romans 8, 28? You know, all things work together for good. That verse does not say that all things are good. Did you realize that? It says that all things work together for good. 
And so the things that happen to you are actually part of God's incredible, amazing master plan. There are absolutely no accidents with God. We talk about accidents a lot. There are no accidents with God. And sometimes He allows these things to come into our lives simply so He can do a work in other people's lives. You ever thought about that? Listen to Paul's testimony as it continues here. Verse, we'll pick up verse 12 again. You're going to know this verse by heart by the time we're done. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And I love verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. As a result of this adversity, these things that were happening to Paul, God was beginning, beginning to do a work in the soldiers' lives. It's an amazing thing. And these guards that Paul's talking about were members of the Praetorian Guard. And I'm sure that your pastor has talked to you about that in the past, but the Praetorian Guard was uh, a guard, some soldiers, about 10,000 strong. They were elite soldiers. They were kind of like the Secret Service, to be kind of a parallel to today. And uh, they were actually personally appointed. They were handpicked and first commissioned by Caesar Augustus. And they were placed all around Rome, and their goal was to keep the peace and to protect the emperor. That was their responsibility. And part of their role, evidently, was to keep Paul under house arrest. They were with Paul day in and day out. It's believed that these chains that were placed on Paul were about 18 inches long, if you can kind of visualize that. One end was attached to his wrist, the other to the guard's wrist. And... uh, Evidently, from history, it's, it's said that the chain was not removed from that prisoner as long as he was in custody. And so that really that made escape and it made privacy very, very difficult, made it really impossible. In fact, we know from Acts chapter 28 and verse 30, you don't have to turn there, but we know that Paul was under house arrest for about two years, right? And the entire time he was chained to another soldier. You want to talk about misery, at least for us, for me. I'm going to talk about myself. That doesn't sound too good to be chained to somebody for two years. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But here's what's amazing. Instead of Paul seeing these soldiers coming in day after day and being chained to his wrist, instead of seeing them as, a, as an inconvenience, you know what he saw them as? He saw them as a captive audience. That's pretty cool, right? He literally turned lemons into lemonade. And for two entire years, one soldier after another, as they were chained to the Apostle Paul, They would hear him pray. They would hear him share with others who were visiting there in that home. They would hear the gospel over and over again. And some of them began to trust Christ. They'd go back to their barracks or palace or wherever they lived. They'd begin to share with their friends and and fellow soldiers. And before long, it says that everyone knew that the reason why Paul was in chains was because of Christ and because of the gospel. It was like an inside joke, if you will. Ah, They're trying to stop Paul. We know why he's here. He's here because we all have come to Christ. What an amazing thing. It was all a part of God's plan and work. And so while some were trying to suppress the gospel in Paul's ministry, it had exactly opposite effect, didn't it? In adversity, the things that happen to you should be a sign that God is up to something. And you can be confident that his plan is in motion, whether you fully see it or not. And so many times we don't. We're just... You know, Lord, what are you doing? Why is this happening? We need to be, have our eyes open to the fact that God is doing something. We may not always know what it is, but he's doing something. Back several years ago, I read a story about a couple in, in Fort Worth. 
and they had, were coming to a church like this and had left the service. For a young couple, they were involved in, a, in an accident. They had pulled off to the side of a highway, and a truck came, didn't see them in the darkness, and hit them and threw them both in their vehicle. And the, the wife was killed, and the husband survived for a little while. And as you can imagine, that church mourned very deeply for this young couple, a very difficult period of time for that church. About three weeks later, there was a man who suddenly showed up at the church. And uh, when the pastor preached the message, gave an invitation, a gospel invitation, this man came, he was like a bullet down the aisle. And they, the people said, you know, who are you? And, and <laughs> what decision are you? He said, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he said, well, what brought you to this point? And he said these words, he said, I quote, I witnessed an accident on the highway a few weeks ago, and I stopped to see if there was anything that I could do. He said, I went first to the young lady, it was obvious she was dead. I could hear sounds from the young man. So I turned to see if there was anything I could do to help him. As he looked up at me through eyes of terrible pain, he said, he asked me a question. And get this, here's this young husband, his wife is dead beside him, and he asked this man who came to help, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? He said, I'm going to meet him soon. And if you were in my place, would you be going to meet Jesus? And with tears in his eyes, the man went on, he said, and I quote again, since that night, those words have never left me. That's why I'm here today, to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Terrible, horrific accident. Say, God, why? Why do you allow things like this? Why do you allow sickness? Why do I get injured? Why, do, why does anything happen like this? God has a purpose. We may not always see it. Matter of fact, we may never see it until eternity, but God has a plan. God is at work in people's lives. And God was working in the soldiers' lives. You know what else? He was working in the saints' lives, too. I love that. He was working in the saints' lives. Matter of fact, what, what happened next was really an incredible chain reaction. Look at verse 14 of this same chapter. Verse 14. It says that most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains... I love this, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, this church in Rome suddenly came to life. It erupted with life. Christians, because of what was happening to Paul, now had a fresh courage to share Christ. They were moving out. They were stepping up to the plate. And you see, Paul's joy and his commitment and his zeal for Christ and for the gospel, it was contagious, wasn't it? Have you ever thought about that? When you face things in your life, and sometimes we can get a little negative and crusty, can't we, about it? Whether you're negative or positive, you're contagious. You infect people around you. Hopefully you infect them with joy, but I, I, let's be realistic. I know sometimes it's the other variety, right? You need to be so careful. But to understand that God was working in the saints' lives, it's an incredible thing, and adversity should open our eyes to the fact that God is at work in other people's lives. But more than likely, God is also using these things, this adversity, to do a work in my life and in your life. And whether you believe it all the time or not, God is fully aware of every detail of your lives. A great place you can go is Psalm 139. It talks about that. that even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all. You know my inward parts. Even before I was formed in my mother's womb. He's in complete control. Things happen to us for a reason. There's a divine purpose and plan that's in motion for your life. His purpose may be one of correction. 
I was just reading again this afternoon, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So sometimes these things come into our lives because God is wanting to have us move in a different direction. Maybe there's some correction. Maybe it's a sin issue that we need to address. His purpose may be to grow you and to mature you. Don't ever forget that his, his goal for us, as we think about our sanctification be, becoming holy, we talked about heard that tonight, be holy for I am holy, it's a process. And it's a process of becoming more and more like the person of Jesus Christ. So that may be his purpose. His purpose may be to make you more sensitive. The reality is, is that you and I, I'll speak for myself, I can be very selfish and very self-focused. You know, look at what's happening to me. Look at my situation. Matter of fact, do a little exercise in your mind. Don't, don't speak out loud. But how many of you, um, when someone says, man, i got a terrible headache, and they begin to tell you all their problems that they're having, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about what's going on in your life, how you can top what's happening. Well, your leg hurts. Well, doctors are going to amputate mine maybe in the next two weeks. I don't know. But we, we begin to compare, and I want to tell you tonight, it's not a contest. What God wants us to have is He wants us to have compassion and to be sensitive. And maybe God is bringing these things into our lives so we can learn to be more sensitive and more caring and more compassionate. His purpose may also be for you to learn what it really means to be content. You see, when things come into our lives, we have a choice, don't we? A choice to be critical. <laughs> that, that's hard. Or we have a choice to be content. I love the story of the farmer. Uh, one day, he, uh, he was just fed up with his farm. He, he kept looking through his farm through cr uh, critical eyes. And every place he looked on his farm, he saw you know, broken equipment and things were wrong. The house was falling apart. And so he finally called a realtor and said, hey, look, I'm tired of this place. I'm selling it. And I want you to come and let's put work up an ad and let's get, let's get rid of this place. And so the realtor came and began to put an ad together and began to share the ad with the farmer. The ad spoke of a good location a well-maintained house, sturdy barns, lush pasture, a beautiful pond, fertile soil, and a great view. Well, the farmer, he listened to this ad, and he's like, good night, would you read that to me again? And so the realtor read the, the ad to him again. And the farmer said, don't put the ad in the newspaper. I always wanted a place like that. I think I'll stay right where I am. Well, I was thinking about uh, Philippians chapter 4. You know that little verse that says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And so we really have a choice. As we face these things, as things happen to us, we have a choice to either be very critical, to be negative, or a choice to be content and grateful and full of joy. And so adversity should open your eyes and my eyes to the fact that God is at work. Number two, adversity, these things that happen to us should open your heart to what is most important. Have you ever noticed when you go through a difficult time, maybe you've been through just recently, uh, the death of a loved one, uh, maybe you've been in a situation where there's been illness in your home. It's amazing when you go through those times how things become kind of more precious. You begin to appreciate things a lot more. And just like when I saw my life flash before my eyes in that airplane, I'm like, wow, I really love Life, this is kind of nice. I hope we land this plane, you know. But Paul, as he faced every day chained to a soldier, 
You know what he discovered was of most value? There's three things that I find in this text, and I think you can relate to this. Number one, he saw the importance and the preciousness and the value of God's people. The value of God's people. Matter of fact, if you look, if you kind of back up a little bit into chapter one, there's some amazing statements that Paul makes about the people he was writing to. Verse three, he says this. Look at it. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul was thinking a lot about these people. What about verse seven? I love this. He says, I have you in my heart. I mean, he had a, a deep affection for these people. Verse 8, I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And so what happened is Paul was facing these difficult moments in his life. He began to really understand the value of the body. And I'm sure at this moment in this church, with Pastor and Chris, I hear you've done a great job. And I've heard many reports about your preaching. Praise God for that. But I know it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and I'm sure during this time you've seen the body come together like never before in this church. You understand, you begin to really understand how precious the people that are here really are. And Paul had that same understanding. He also saw the value of the gospel. For me, this really blows me away. I was reflecting on this again this afternoon. It's really amazing to imagine. Here's Paul in Rome as a prisoner under house arrest, and yet there were some who were trying to make things worse for the Apostle Paul. In fact, uh, verse 16, it says that some were trying to add affliction of all things to his chains by preaching the gospel with wrong motivations. But I love how, how Paul responds in verse 18 because it really reveals what he believed to be most important. Look at what it says. He writes, What then, big question mark, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Ray Pritchard, who speaks at Word of Life quite a bit, one of our uh, summer conference uh, speakers and also at the Bible Institute, an adjunct faculty member, he said this, God can use bad people to do good things. He can use flawed people to do his will. Pretty important thing to remember. And what was of critical importance to the Apostle Paul was that the gospel was going out. Even if people did it with the wrong motivations and maybe in a way he didn't agree with, he saw the value of it. So God's people, the gospel, you know what else? He saw value too. Most importantly, is God's glory. God's glory. You know, when you go through difficult times, we talked about this, our tendency when we go through these, these dark moments is to say, Man, woe is me. Do you see what I'm going through? It's such a difficult time in my life, such a dark time, and, and it is. But the reality is I think sometimes we can enjoy a little bit of that spotlight sometimes, like, you know, yeah, this happened to me, and we, and we tell all these horror stories. And we grab what I would call snippets of glory for ourselves. We've got to be very careful. Because it's not about us, it's about God and His glory. Our joy and our life should be anchored and focused on His glory, not our own. I think that's why the Apostle Paul says in verse 21, I love this little phrase, he says, For to me, to live is Christ. It's not myself, not even other people. The end of the day for me to live is Christ. It's His glory. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus Christ. And so adversity, what it does, it should, it should really open our hearts to what is most important. To what is most important. Let me give you one last thing to consider tonight. Adversity, these things that happen to us, I believe should push us to our knees, recognizing our utter need for God. 
I don't care where you're from, I don't care who you are, we all utterly need God. Maybe you don't know God. You need God. You need Him. Maybe you have a personal relationship with Him. You still need Him every single day. We utterly need God. We need His help. The truth is that most of us here tonight, probably all of us, can get kind of independent sometimes. Feel I can make it happen. I can gut my way through this situation. You know, I know that I can, I can press on. And many times when we go through these situations, we talk to all the wrong people. I'll never forget, I read this story about this lady who found one day a skunk in her cellar. And uh, much like the skunk you see on the screen there. And, uh, and so she called the police and she must have talked to a clerk or something because um, he didn't really know what to do, but he gave her a suggestion. He said, why don't you take breadcrumbs and uh, put the breadcrumbs along the way up, up, this, up the uh, steps out to the outside and, and hopefully that skunk will follow the breadcrumbs and, and get out of your house and you'll be fine. And so the lady hung up the phone and did exactly that. And she called back a little while later and said, okay, I did exactly what you said. Now I have two skunks in my cellar. Thank you very much. She was really talking to the wrong... She needed to talk to animal control, right? Talking to the wrong person. And I think we do that so many times when we face adversity, we face difficult things. We talk to everyone else except to God. <laughs> and what God wants is He wants us to come to the end of ourselves and to really come to grip with the fact that He is really all that we need. And without Him, we can do absolutely nothing, the Bible says. Look at verse 19 as we begin to wind down here. It says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul recognized his utter need for God himself to intervene. He knew that his only hope going forward, we talked about hope tonight, his only hope going forward was the prayers of God's people and the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. His sufficiency was in Christ. He's basically saying, look, I can't get through this, but I know who can. God can. As I said at the outset tonight, things happen to all of us. We all can relate to Murphy's Law, can't we? We're all there. Maybe every day you face something, I don't know. But God can use these things. He wants to use these things in our lives to accomplish His purpose and His plan. And so what does God want from us? I think any time you come to the Word of God, you've got to ask that question. All right, so what? <laughs> Where do we go from here? How do you begin to really flesh this out into life? Let me give you some things I wrote down for myself, and I'll just share with you here tonight. These are things that I need to work on and apply, all right? Number one, stop allowing your circumstances to dictate your level of joy. Ouch, right? <laughs> So many times the things that happen to us, that just determines how we're just going to be in that particular day. Stop doing it. Tom Locke, stop doing it. That's not right. Number two, stop being grumpy or negative over things that are happening to you. You know what it does when we do that? I, th I believe we destroy the testimony of Christ in our neighborhoods, in our community. People see that around us like, you say you're different, but man, I, the way you're handling this, I'm not so sure. And the world kind of shrugs and they, they walk away. And we don't impact the world the way we really should. Number three, lean upon Him instead of on people. You have to understand here tonight that people are going to disappoint you. 
Even pastors, even I will disappoint you. But the one who never will is God Himself. Lean upon Him, not upon people. Number four, I wrote down, ask Him to reveal what He wants to do in and through your life. You know, as you go through difficult things, it's not wrong. I mean, you look at the book of Psalms, you see it all over the place. You know, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Why are my enemies having victory? And on and on it goes. Ask God questions. Ask Him to reveal. He may not do it until eternity, but at least ask. You might be surprised what God will do. And number five, look for every opportunity to leverage the things that happened to you for the gospel. Those who are with Word of Life, and I see some staff here tonight, you know that back several weeks ago, you may may know that one of our missionaries at Word of Life unexpectedly died. He was a young man in a restricted access country, which I can't mention publicly, but he uh, was a very effective man. Matter of fact, uh, right before he died, there was a, uh, I'll tell you this, there was a communist inspector that came to our office, and uh, he was uh, checking up on what we're doing there, and claimed he was checking up on our electricity usage and all that. And uh, this guy had his Bible open, and he was reading about Jesus being the light of the world, believe it or not. And he actually led this communist inspector to Christ just some weeks ago. It's an amazing thing. Well, soon after this happened, this, he's had an incredible impact in this particular country for the gospel. Uh, so much joy in a very, very difficult place. And yes, a couple of weeks ago, he died of a pulmonary embolism. as a young man, strong man, making a difference in that country. And a word of life, we're asking the question, okay, God, you know, what are you really thinking with this? What is the plan? What is the purpose? And honestly, we don't, we don't have all the answers at this moment. But we do know this. They had the funeral just recently. I got an email from our director. And he said, Don, you won't believe what happened. He said, it's been hard. I mean, this guy was a young man. I believe he was, in his, uh, he was about 30 years old and uh, very well respected in the country. He said the funeral was packed with young people one of the biggest funerals they'd ever actually seen in that, in that country. And uh, this man had a number of uh, unsaved family, and they all came to the funeral, and they basically all got saved. And so now you begin to understand, you get a glimpse of what God is trying to do. We don't understand things many times. Things happen to us. That's the, that's, that's the reality of life. So why does God allow these th- things to happen? What, what should result from adversity? What should result is our eyes should, be, should become open to the fact that God is, in fact, at work. He's doing something. It should open our hearts to what is most important. What is most important? God's people. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That precious, precious message that changes people's lives and His glory. And it should push us to our knees, recognizing how much we really need God. And we do need God, don't we? We need him desperately. Things happen to us. How are you going to respond this week to those things? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for this dear church family. And I know this has been a very difficult period, particularly with Pastor Robbie out. And I I can't even imagine what Pastor has gone through with his health. But we all face things in our lives. None of us are immune from it. We're, We're human beings. We're flesh and blood. Things happen to us. Lord, help us to to really begin to understand what you're trying to do in our lives. Wake us up to the reality that many times you want to do a work in our life and perhaps in other people's lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen.